0: It was a warm summer day in 1991. Like most beautiful summer days, the majority of people found an excuse not to work and spend the day outside. But not everyone was spending time outside. You see, for one man that goes by the name of Tim Berners-Lee, he didn't care about the weather outside. He was onto much bigger and greater things. Because from that day forward, he would run a program on his computer, on his NEXT computer to be specific. And this program would launch a page. And this page would be the introductory to the world wide web. If you haven't guessed it yet, today's episode is going to be focusing on a website. More importantly, your website and what you should include in your website. What gave me the motivation to do this episode was I was working with a new client and this client expressed the need for a website. That's great. The fact that I didn't even have to explain the importance of a website already puts this person in an insightful position because they understand that having a website is very important, as I'm sure many of you do. The problem is, when it comes time to sit down in your chair, start up your computer, and develop a website from scratch, you don't know where to begin. That's what today's episode is going to be about. We're not going to design the next newest technology that'll change the way people look at websites forever. We're going to do something that allows you to share your identity and what your brand represents through a website. We'll explain the importance of why you need a website. I know you think you know why you need a website, but there are reasons that you can't even imagine as to why websites are that important. Now before we begin, I recommend you grab a pen and a paper just because there may be some note taking. You don't necessarily need to, you can just re-listen to the episode, but I think if you want to take this episode and use it to help you develop your website, it may be beneficial to just maybe at least write bullet points. So let's get into the episode. A coral snake is mostly red with black and small yellow stripes. Now, all animals, including babies, human babies, that have never even seen or understood the concept of what a snake is, know to be afraid of snakes. There's something that evolution has instilled in us. When an animal sees a coral snake, without knowledge of toxicology or biology or... David Attenborough, somehow this animal in the wild knows to avoid a coral snake. How does he know to avoid a coral snake? The answer is simple. The coral snake is a master at branding. What do I mean by that? Well, you see, the coral snake, it exhibits colors that are very rarely seen together in the wild. Most animals know this. You know, the epigenetics, what that means is animals have had a experience that experience is then it's coded into their genes so when they give birth though that code in their genes is then passed on to the next generation and after so many generations of people or animals getting bitten by coral snakes the mind consciousness visual connection to those colors has done something to our sensory awareness to spike our nervous system and be nervous around those colors in layman's terms When an animal that doesn't understand toxicology or biology or anything about animals just because they're merely living off of instinct in the wild, they still know to be fearful of a coral snake. Because the branding of the coral snake's venom and the fear of that coral snake is so embedded in our evolution because it's done such a good job at expressing what it does, which is kill things that it bites, that when we see it, without even knowing of it before, we just know to be afraid. That's why the coral snake is so good at branding. The same way the coral snake can inflict fear into something that's never even seen a coral snake before is what your website can do when first discovered. Now I'm not saying you're going to fear people and make them fear for their life, but what you can do is you can evoke an emotion without anyone ever knowing who you were previously because you can understand your customer before they know you exist. And you can design your website and build your brand to reflect whatever values you want. In the Carl Snakes case, it's the value of stay away from me, I'm venomous. If you come near, I will bite. But your value proposition can be something else. You can say I'm the cheapest and most reliable real estate agent in the city of Toronto. You could say we are the most trustworthy and respectable mechanics that will offer you the most honest and cheapest rate available. It's different depending on what you do. But people don't need to know you previously to get a first impression that lasts a lifetime. You just need to ensure that you're communicating to them in a way that resonates with them, in a way that works. And you don't know what that is. That's that's the hardest part of building a website, I'll be honest with you. But you can you can figure it out. It's, it's not as difficult as it sounds, but it's going to involve a lot of abstract research. This is the first step of building a website. Before you actually invest in any money or anything, you have to invest your time and your dedication to understanding what you're doing. And that's creating a platform that reflects the values of your brand. That's great. Uses buzzwords. What are we really saying? You're creating a place, people that don't know who you are, can learn more about you, and find a way to get in touch with you to hire your business. That's what a website is. Bottom line, that's what you're trying to do. But how do you get them to separate you from your competitors? You're going to do something a lot of your competitors don't do, and that's learn about your actual customer. Whatever business you're in, you must know what their needs are, and if you don't know what their needs are, then reverse engineer, and how do you do that? Let's say you are landscaping. So you'll say, well, what services do I offer? I offer landscaping, we'll mow lawns, we'll move rocks, we'll make it look pretty, we'll install flowers. Then you say, okay, so that's what we do. So who would hire us? And then you say, well, people that have homes. I don't think people that live in apartments would hire us. They just don't have areas to landscape. So you would completely eliminate people living in apartments. So we've now narrowed it down to people living in homes. Now, I would say it would be fair to say, well, people that have a little bit more disposable income to focus on the vanity items of their home. So maybe homes that are more dilapidated or slowly trying to rebuild just to not allow for water leaks or the rafters from falling down, maybe they don't have as much money to throw around to visual things like landscaping compared to repairing the home. So now we've made our target market even smaller by focusing on people that like some of the more affluent things life has to offer. That's great. So now, now we have a smaller target market. So now we sort of know who we're speaking to a little bit better. We can continue to research these people by going to Instagram, doing hashtag landscape. We can go to Facebook, type in landscaping. We can go to Google, type in landscaping. Go to YouTube, type in landscaping. Now you're not watching the people that are content creators. You're looking at the comments. You're looking at the people who are engaging the content creators. You're reading their questions. You're looking at their public profiles. You're seeing what their other interests are. Besides landscaping, what do they like? The more information you can get about the people that have an interest in landscaping, the more you can learn about their values. Because you're not just speaking to them about landscaping, you're speaking to them about more, you're speaking to them about their emotions, you're fulfilling a desire that's far greater than just putting a flower in the dirt. And if you can separate your brand from the other brands that are just doing landscaping, you're not just doing landscaping, you're creating art in soil. You see the difference? If you can be that brand, you'll stand out. But the question is, how do you get people to come to your website? Well, if you're doing what I said previously and you're researching your target, then you'll know that they have questions. And you'll know what those questions are because they're asking them on Instagram. They're asking them on Twitter. They're asking them on Quora. They're asking them on Pinterest. They're asking them in Facebook groups. They're asking them on LinkedIn. They're asking them in forms online. So you could answer these questions through blog posts. If you don't like writing, you can make Facebook videos youtube videos you don't want to be on camera do a podcast answering questions you could take callers questions it doesn't matter but if you become a resource of answers to their questions you become a trusted ally and if you become a trusted ally when it comes time to part with their money the person that they give it to is someone that they've already entrusted in someone that has already provided value to them when they didn't ask for anything in return that is how you get people to come to your website By creating value and you're not I'm not just saying the word value like the value is the information you're providing to them that they didn't know of you simmer it down in a way that they can understand it and you provide honesty honesty about the industry and they learn from it and when it comes time for more questions they may call you and say can you give me an estimate how much would it cost to do my house it seems simplistic and it is to a degree but to get there to get all the parts moving at the same time it takes quite a bit of setup and that's the most difficult part. So the first thing I recommend to do is identify your target market. You've identified your target market by reverse engineering whatever you're selling then you start answering the questions through blog posts, through creating content, through creating podcasts. None of this is published on your website yet. You need content to put on your website first. So let's say you've created one or two answers to their questions. One or two things that they would probably Google. What's go What's in a good landscaping, or what's what to look out for when hiring a landscaper? If you can answer those questions, those are probably easily Googleable. Googleable, if that's a word, many people will Google the same question. It's a, it's an evergreen Google. It's something that, a, now, a year from now, ten years from now, people are still going to Google because it's it's a timeless question. So if you can answer one or two timeless questions and prepare that for your website, you'll be miles ahead of your competition. So now we understand the abstract of building a website, but let's get into the technical aspect. And this is where I think you may need to take notes because this is where it gets a little bit fuzzy. We're going to try to keep it as simplistic as possible. So you're ready to build a website, but you don't know what the next step is. The first thing you're going to need to do is to find a web host. And the purpose of a web host is to create a platform somewhere where you can build upon. A perfect example is if you, want to, if you don't want to buy a house and you want to just buy property, if you buy the property, the property already has the foundation of the pipes and it can be attached to a... Hydro, so you can have electricity as soon as you start building the foundation of the house and wiring it up. That's the same as having a web host. Having a web host gives you the tools you need to create a physical space online. Now, it's not the same as a domain name. Having a domain name or a domain host, like with GoDaddy, is www.mywebsite.com. That means when people type that in, that will direct them to your physical space online. But these are two different things. So the first thing you're going to Google. And I use Squarespace, you can use any of them. There's Wix, there's all kinds that you can use to develop your website. And those are web builders, or they're web hosts. They host your physical w- website in a physical server somewhere, wherever their servers are located. And it keeps you your protected, and it allows only you to log in. And it's a place where people can find you through Google. I'm sure you can do this yourself, but it's very complicated. You need to create your own servers. I have no idea how to do any of that coding. So like most businesses, I pay for hosting. I use Squarespace, as I said, but there's Wix, there's WordPress, some of them are free. There's so many. I I would Google it and see what best fits your needs. Everybody's different. I just chose Squarespace because I previously tried WordPress and I just find that I mesh with Squarespace better, it serves my needs better, but everybody's different. So Google web hosting and find one that fits you the best. As far as domain hosting, which is hosting www.mywebsite.ca. That is something else, and that can also be Googled. You just type in domain hosting, and what you're going to do is, you're first going to pay for the foundation, which is the web hosting. So you have a a physical space for your website. You can begin building your website, but you don't have a way to direct people there. That's why you're then partnering your web host with your domain host. So let's say you create www.landscaping.com. Once you've created that, you then contact whoever you purchased that name from, and you say, I would like to link this to my web host, whether it's Wix, Squarespace, or whatever. They will link it for you, so whenever people go to www.landscaping.com, it will redirect them to your website. A lot of this is technical, and it's not my strong suit, I'm sure, as you can see, but I just want you to understand the foundation. The people that work at these websites, they understand that this is a hurdle for many small businesses and they're incredible, the customer service. They will literally walk you through step by step to get this part done. This is the easiest part despite it seeming so technical because you need to do very little of the work. They do most of the work. You just tell them what needs to be done. The hard part is coming up with the about me section. It's about identifying your target market like we spoke of earlier. If you're that bad at building websites, you can hire someone like myself to build websites for you. That's, That's the easy part, like just you could throw money at that problem, make it go away, but you can't throw money at identifying your target market. You can't throw money at creating content that resonates with people. That has to be genuine. You can hire people to do it, but they're still working very hard to understand that and to create something that actually resonates on a human level. So you can throw money to make the technology work, but you can't throw money to make the brand and persona work that you need to someone, whether it's someone you're paying or you yourself, Effort needs to be put in to really understand the needs and wants and values of people in order to fulfill those needs and desires. So the final part of developing a website is creating things on the website. There are different pages on the website that you're going to need to allow the person to navigate to find more information about you and we're going to keep it very simplistic. Lots of people have all kinds of unique pages they add to their websites but for you we're just here to be like the coral snake. We're going to say this is who we are This is what we're about, these are the needs we fill. So the very first page that you're gonna have when people come to your website is going to be your home page. And this page is going to be far less than a paragraph. If you can get it in a tweet, 150 characters or less, that's perfect. It's It's a quick blurb to say what we're about. I'll give you an example. When you go to my website, Space Tree Media, which is a website focused on advertising, digital and social media marketing, there's nothing there except for a white screen, an off eggshell white kind of ivory color. And one sentence and all it says is good marketing starts with a story. There's nothing else. It's simplistic. You know what it's about. It has marketing in the title and it has story in the title. What we're telling you is if you want good marketing and when I use the word good, I'm not saying quality, I'm saying morally good marketing that resonates with people and make them feel moral. that makes them feel whole, makes them feel more than just like wanting to buy something. We're creating communities and we're doing it with stories. All of that is evoked in one small sentence. That's what you need to try to do to compel people to feel something about your brand. Now, if you scroll to the bottom of the page, you don't even need to scroll because it's just right there, the bars. It says blog, contact, and about. Now, the reason why I have blog is because, as I told you, I'm answering people's questions. This is how I get people to come to my website, not just on social media, but just to my website because people are asking questions through Google. How do I get started on Instagram? my website comes up. That question can be answered now, 10 years from now, 100 years from now until Instagram goes out of business. Because it's not about a date, it's about a general question. And SpaceTree answers those evergreen questions the same way that landscaping company answers those evergreen questions. So I recommend having a blog page, but if that's too far ahead of you still and you don't you don't care as much to get people on your website just you're at the stage right now where you're so overwhelmed that all you want is a website even if no one sees it you just want to get the technology dealt with and then you'll focus on the more abstract pages so you have the home page once you've developed a home page keep it as simple as possible and explain what you guys do as I said a sentence or less is the best way to do it you may want to think about having your logo there and maybe your social media buttons where people can click the button and it takes them to one of your social media pages done that's your home page One more page I would recommend creating is contact us. This is simplistic. You could put a phone number, an email, a map, book now, whatever you want. But a way that people, if they're interested, if they feel they've seen enough already and may not take them very much, they may just want to hire the first person they find, they need a way to get in touch with you. So create a contact us page. If you want to stop here, that's fine. This website works as a business card. It tells people what you do. It gives them a way to contact you. That's great. You can stop here, finish the podcast, turn it off, and go start your website. If you want to keep listening, I recommend adding one more page, and that page is the about us section. You could say about me, about us, it doesn't matter. The purpose of this page is to take the home page and expand a little bit. You're telling people who you are, you're explaining your story, you're saying more. we're more than just a service, we're more than just a business, there's a story behind this, we breathe life into this company, and it has emotions will provide value to you guys, but we'll do so on more of a human level than just giving us money and we're doing something and that's it. We'll do it with a smile. We'll add a human touch to it. That's what the About Us page tells you. It, it evokes emotion. It personifies your brand and anthropomorphizes it and gives it a human-like element or a human characteristics. That's why I'm so focused on storytelling, because all the brands that we love, they take on human elements. And that's what this About Us page is. It's a take on human elements. So if you don't know how to write in that tone... Once again, you can hire somebody, but an easy way to understand is to look to brands that you like. Whatever brand that you like a lot, just look at them and try to be abstract about it. Say, what about them do I like so much? Is it the way they write on Twitter? Is it how they write? Is it the language they use? Is it the words they use? Is it their sense of humor? Is it their tone of seriousness? Is it that they teach me something? There's something that brand does that I really like. There's something that that brand does that a lot of people like. What is it? The more you can start pointing out of other brands, the easier you'll be able to identify what it is about your brand that you think people will like. You'll have these answers and they'll start to click because you're smart enough to understand everything that I'm saying. And when you start making connections to what are the people asking? Why are they asking this? If what what gratification do they get to having an answer to the questions they're asking? Why do they want to do this? They want answers to their questions because it'll make them look smarter to their friends. It'll allow them to fulfill a need that they have not fulfilled yet. What is it? Because when you can answer that question, you have all the answers. You know how to propel your brand. You You know how to position your brand in a way that will be the hero of the story for whoever your customer is. That's what you're doing. Your brand is the hero. Your brand comes to save whatever problem they have, whether it's make them look smarter, whether it's solve their problem in landscaping, whether it's helping them develop a website like I'm doing to you right now, whatever it is. That's what you're doing. You're fulfilling their need, whatever their need is. I hope you learned something in this podcast. It's a lot of dense information. Some of it abstract, some of it technical. If you have any questions, I will be more than happy to answer. And I literally mean bare bones. You want help with your website? Reach out to me. I won't even charge you. If you're a listener of the podcast, let me know you're a listener of the podcast. Let me know what your question is, and I will actually help you. In exchange for this help, if I can ask for anything, please share this podcast with your friends. Please share it with anybody you know that may need help building a website. And most importantly, if I could ask you to rate this on iTunes, that would really help us grow and build the community. Every time I check my statistics, which I try not to do too often because I don't want to get neurotic about it, but we seem to be growing, and I'm grateful for that because that means that people are obviously digging the message, and that means a lot to me. But I can't take all the credit because a lot of it does come from you guys. You guys are very honest, and I love that... You guys communicate back to me. You ask questions. We have conversations. These conversations spark ideas. And as a result, I'm able to create more podcasts. So I just want to end it by thanking you guys. Say, please continue to ask questions. Don't be afraid. Uh, There's no such thing as an idiot. An idiot is the person that is too afraid to ask a question. I strongly believe that. Anybody that's willing to have the gall to ask a question should be respected. Because seeking knowledge there's nothing wrong with seeking knowledge like that's why when people say there's no such thing as a dumb question it's because if you're willing to acknowledge that you don't know but you want to know you understand how how good that is like on a moral level just because you're trying to help others with that knowledge i don't think you're going to use it in a in a negative way i don't think you're going to be malicious with the knowledge i think if anything you're going to use it to help other people so so it's a morally good thing to seek knowledge i strongly believe that so don't don't be fearful that any question you may have may be dumb. If anything, I strongly believe you're asking because not only are you going to use that knowledge to help yourself, but when someone else around you needs help, you're going to have that knowledge and you're going to use it to help them. And they're just going to keep passing on the knowledge because that's how knowledge works. Before we get any more abstract, let's end the episode here. I want to thank you guys so much for listening. If you have any questions, once again, you can reach out to me at Space Tree Hub. You can find me at L. Brainstein. But until next time, I want to thank you so much for listening.